0: Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. All right, 930. Go ahead, wave hi to somebody sitting near you. Just say good morning. So good to see everybody out today. And man, it's just going to be a great, great Sunday. Again, if we haven't met, my name is Keith. It's a privilege to serve with my wife, Amy, as lead pastors here at Blaze Church. And I want to say a special thank you to you if it is one of your first times. How many of you guys who were here last week did okay? I'm not going to say good, maybe you did good, but did okay with your block map? Anybody? A couple hands are going up. A couple are like, I'm not raising them. I didn't open it up yet. But that's all right. June's not over. So, hey, if you weren't with us last week, we started this series off and we actually have a block map and we've got a bunch of them in the back. So if you didn't get one or if somehow it got lost from here to your car, isn't it weird how the car does that? Yeah. It's like just somewhere in the back seat or shoved in a cushion. If you don't have one or you want another one, make sure you grab one of those. And really what we're doing this month is we are taking Jesus's word to love our neighbor as ourself, literally. Because as we discovered last week, You can love your metaphorical neighbor with metaphorical love really easily, but it's a lot harder to actually love the person who lives across the street from you. And just because we love everyone, because that is our call, loving everyone does not negate the fact that everyone includes our neighbors across the street and next to us. And we have this vision this summer. What if at Blaze Church, every person here? actually made it a point to love their literal neighbor, to share the love of God with them, to have them over for a meal, to start to find out what are your needs in your life? How can I pray with you? And to really be the difference makers that God has called you to be in your community. You know, what's interesting is you and I may think that we chose our homes based on a floor plan or a school system or what our budget would allow at the time, but we saw in Acts last week that God actually established the boundaries wherein you and I would live. How cool is that? Like, just think about it. God said, you're going to live at this point in human history, and I've got a mission for you in this neighborhood. And when we take that on, we don't see it as a burden that crushes us, but as a blessing that uplifts us to say, wow, Lord, you want me to be a difference maker in my community. And so if you didn't get one of those block maps or if you're still getting started, get started on it. And please, as I said last week, let's not get Blaze Church a weird reputation. Can we do that? Let's not go knock out, hi, I'm from Blaze Church. What's your name? (laughs) And just start. That's not what we're doing here. Look for those organic opportunities that God will provide so that you might discover the names of your neighbors. Because it's really hard to love someone if you don't know their name. Now, it's also really hard to love somebody because of the barrier that we are going to talk about today. And it's this word, time. Time is the barrier that we are going to discuss today. Because think about it. You and I probably have said this phrase before. Here it is. I don't have time. Anybody ever said that before? All right, every hand's going up. I don't have time. I don't have time. So it's really easy to take I don't have time and make it a really valid excuse for getting to know and love our neighbors. After all, if we already feel like we don't have time for the people that we know, for the things that we enjoy, how in the world am I supposed to get to know another someone or according to the block map, another eight someones, the eight closest homes to my home? So what I want to do this morning is I want to take a pin And I want to put it right into the I don't have time bubble excuse. Can I do that just for a moment? Okay, and I'm going to be just as offended as you are. It's probably worse because I'm offending myself in front of you. All right, so we're all going to be offended this morning, but let's just think about that phrase I don't have time. It really isn't a true statement. Because the one thing that all of us have in common, no matter your gender, your race, your lifestyle, your belief, your occupation, how many kids you do or don't have, the one thing that we have in common is 24 hours in a day. Anyone here figured out how to get to 25 yet? Because I would like to see you after service. Teach me your ways. Come on, we all get 24 hours in a day. The only time we don't have time, sorry to be morbid, is when we die. That's when we can literally say, well, I ran out of time to reach my neighbors. Okay, that's a valid excuse. But if you're still breathing and you're all upright right now, we all have the same amount of time. I don't have time isn't actually a true statement. What we do is we make time for the things that matter most to us. Time management is all about priorities. So let me share with you one of my priorities. Some of you know it. I wake up Monday through Friday at 3.30 a.m. to eat a bowl of cream of wheat and then go to the gym at 4 a.m. till 5.30. And when I say that, oftentimes I get stares like I'm getting now. You're insane. What's wrong with you? You're crazy. Why? Here's why. It's a priority in my life. I only get 24 hours just like you only get 24 hours. And so I've allocated that time to something that matters a whole lot to me. I have relationships in my life with my wife, Amy, and and others and family members and friends. I make the time. I don't create more hours so that, you know what, babe, I only got 24. I'm going to make a 25th just for you. We can't do that. We prioritize and say, this matters so much to me that I'm going to allocate time here. Is everyone tracking with that so far? Okay, so let's talk about loving our neighbors then. To say that we don't have time to love our neighbors isn't a true statement. But to say, loving my neighbor doesn't matter enough to me to warrant me using my time on them, that's a true statement and that's a stinging one. That's one that would cause us to stop and say, Should I reprioritize my time so that I might love those who live closest to me? Let me ask you this question this way, and it's one I encourage you to write down. Does loving your neighbor matter enough to you to receive a time investment from you? It's a hard question to answer. In fact, personalize it right now as you're writing it. Does loving my neighbor matter enough to me To receive a time investment from me. Now, what we've established so far, just by looking at the words of Jesus, is that you loving your neighbor certainly matters to the Lord. Because when Jesus was asked, What is the greatest commandment? His response was, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law hangs on these two commands. And so think about it, the easy answer to the question, does loving your neighbor matter to God, is a very clear yes. Now, as followers of Jesus, what is our answer to this question? Does loving my neighbor matter enough to me for me to actually reprioritize my time so that I might invest it in those living closest to me? And to discover how we can do that, because that's probably the question we really need to answer. Okay, if something in my heart starts to say, you know what, yeah, this does matter. I should get to know my neighbor. I should love my neighbor more. But how do I do that? Because like the person sitting next to you and like the person in front of you, only got 24 hours. And I've got a whole lot of things that already take priority in my life. So how do I squeeze something else in when time is limited, we're going to discover the answer by looking at a story, really a moment between two sisters today. But before we get there, I want to give you three excuses that you and I use that cause us to push against prioritizing loving our neighbors today. Here's the first one. Things will settle down someday. <laughs> Come on, who's ever said that before? or thought that. So maybe you said it this way. This, this is the Christian way. Brother, it's just the season. It's just, it, the Lord just has me in a season right now. Just, I'm going to slow down someday, but right now I'm working for him, and I'm going, and I'm pushing, and someday, someday things will settle down. Write that down. We're convinced that our schedules and driving the kids' places and hanging with friends and working and yard work and all of that is just for now, but someday, someday it'll settle down. Okay, here's the hard truth. You ready? Things will only settle down when you decide they will settle down. That's it. You ever meet a retired person? They're busier than when they were working. <laughs> right? just, now I got a whole bunch of projects. All the things I pushed off until I retired, now I got to actually start working on it. Things will only settle down when you and I decide, it's time they need to settle down. It's time for me to look at my time and reprioritize it. Okay, so here's the second excuse that I've used before. More will be enough. Right now, I've got to hustle. I've got to work hard. I've really got to focus my time on me and my goals. And once I achieve more stuff, if I could just get that promotion Then I'm told I'll have a little more time because I'll accrue more vacation days and PTO and then I'll have some more money so I won't have to work as hard. More will be enough. This is the narrative of culture. It tells you work, work, work. Once you get enough, then you can slow down. But how many know that once you achieve that next new shiny thing, there's another new shiny thing. Apple's put a lock on this, bro. Apple upgrade program. It's like, they just know. Yep, we'll just pop out another one. You'll just stay with us. Come on, that's that's our lives. That's the world we live in. We think if I have more, then I'll have enough. And then I can start loving my neighbors. But more is never really enough because more is vain. We're just always looking for more. Unless we embrace a principle of scripture. Godliness with contentment is great gain. To be content with what God's given us. And here's the third one. This is probably the sneakiest lie. Everybody lives like this. Everybody lives like this. Come on, we've thought that before. When we're sharing our schedules with other people and the first thing they ask is, how are you? If you don't say busy or you don't spend five minutes talking about your schedule, because everybody lives like this. Everyone's rushing around and, and tired all the time and blessed and highly caffeinated. Can I get a good amen? We're just trying to make it through the day. Everyone lives like this. Okay, here's the truth, and I know this personally. I've met people who don't live like this. Healthy rhythms, emotionally healthy enough to say no when invited places, when events come up, when opportunities present themselves. I know that this is not everybody lives like this. I'll say this, though. This is how most people live. Going, going, and going. But is that the way that God has created you to live? So we're going to look at a story, a moment between two sisters. And we're going to see that one of them lived very normally, the way you and I live. And another chose to push against what was normal. And when we look at how this one sister pushed against what was normal, we discover the key to loving our neighbors as ourselves. The key to making time for those closest to us. So you want to discover it? All right, you got to come back next week. I'm just joking. Open your Bible to Luke. That would be horrible. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Okay, it's going to be right up here on the screen. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named, say her name with me, Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called, what's her name? Mary. Okay, so we got Martha and Mary. Who, what did Mary do? Who sat at the Lord's feet and, what's that word? Listened. She just listened to his teaching. But, verse 40, Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him. That's, That's Jesus. And look at this moment. She said, Lord, do you not care? that my sister has left me to serve alone tell her then to help me all right there's a lot going on here so we've got Martha and Mary two sisters and their guest for the day is Jesus who would be intimidated by that some of you have entertained some friends you've got friends coming in from out of state family members you haven't seen and you're thinking all right, we've got to get the house in order. Anyone have that room that you just close the door and you put everything into when the guests come over? Some of you, you put your dog in there. You, you put the kids in there. You're like, they don't even need to know we have kids today. Just get them in, toss in an iPad and some fruit snacks. They'll be fine. Hey, so we get intimidated when we have high profile guests coming over. They've got Jesus coming to their house And Martha understands how important this moment is. Martha's like, we've got to have the best meal, the cleanest house. Jesus is coming here. And so Martha does what is say the word normal. She does what's normal. A guest is coming over, and she's in the kitchen. And she's chopping the vegetables and she's getting the pots and pans on. and She's making sure everything looks good, smells good. She's Febreze the floor. Everything is great. I don't know if they had couches then. And Jesus comes in and Mary, her sister, who is supposed to be in the kitchen, who is supposed to be taking care of the housework. And I say supposed to because culturally that's what was expected This isn't just shaming and saying, oh, women are in the, no, none of that. Just like for you today, if you have a guest over, you'd say, well, I'm supposed to be hospitable and take care of my guest." Mary has the audacity to sit down and listen and be close. Now, I think this isn't in the text, but I just, I think it happened. Martha's in the kitchen and she sees her sister sitting at his feet. And she's probably just doing some chopping. And you know, the chops got a little harder, didn't they? She was quiet before. She didn't want to be noticed. Suddenly you're clank, 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 like intentional pots, like slamming down. And just what's going on in there? And she finally makes eye contact and does one of those whisper screams. Mary, get in here. Get in here. Mary's not moving. It's like, I don't even, it was crazy. What's she doing in there? Martha then goes to Jesus. Did you see that? Let's, let's go back to that verse there, verse uh, 40. She goes to Jesus and she actually tells him what to do. She, she's, her life is so out of order that she tells Jesus, Jesus, tell her to help me. Now, when we approach Jesus and we tell him what he should be doing, That's an indicator that our life is out of order. (laughs) Clearly, we don't know who we're speaking to in that moment. We don't have a close connection enough to trust him. Instead, we need to tell him. um, Let me just remind you of your job description, Jesus. Tell her what she should be doing, and her job is she should be helping me. I want you to understand what we're getting a picture of here with these two individuals. We're seeing a human being, Mary, who is prioritized being with Jesus, and we're seeing a human doing, Martha, who has prioritized doing for Jesus. This is a big concept for us to understand, guys, because we live in a culture that says, if you're not constantly doing, performing, outputting, productive, busy, going, moving, graduating, promoting, there must be something wrong with you. And we forfeited the God-given title of a human being resting close to the presence of Jesus with a title of human doing. Let me do more for him. Let me serve him. Let me work. And so Martha, the human doing, accuses her sister of being in the wrong and says, Jesus, tell her to help me. What will Jesus say? Verse 41. Martha, Martha. If you ever wondered where the Brady Bunch got their line from, here it is. Martha Martha. The Lord answered, "You are worried and upset about many things." He calls her out. And guys, can we just be honest today? He calls us out. Let I me mean, just be honest. How many of us would say, "Man, there are so many things that I'm worried and upset about." Good things. Is it wrong that she wants to serve Jesus? Is it wrong that she wants her home to smell nice and look nice and the food to be nice? No, those are good things. But she's worried and upset about them. She's so focused on doing that she's forfeited being with the one who made her and loves her. But Mary hasn't. And Jesus ends this way. Few things are needed, or indeed, only one. And Mary has chosen what is better. That's amazing. Jesus is saying, if you are to put doing and being next to each other, and you've got to choose one that's better, being is better than doing. And it will not be taken away from her. Now remember, like us, Martha and Mary had the same 24 hours in their day. They both had a choice to make, on how to use their time and their choice would be made on a priority on what mattered most to them in that moment. And Martha chooses to do and Mary chooses to be. And Jesus says, she's chosen what is better. Now, what's so interesting about this moment is this is where it ends for us. Like I'm looking for verse 43. I'm I'm like, Luke, how are you going to stop right now? Like, come on, man, you got me on the ad. Like, what's going to happen? What's Martha going to do? She's just been corrected by Jesus. Is she going to respond? Is she going to put down the knife and the pots and the pans and come and sit by his feet? What is she going to do? And guys, we don't get the answer there. And I personally think that's intentional. Because Martha is left with what's called a choice. Just like you and I. What will we do from this moment together of being in God's presence corporately, reading scripture, worshiping Him, we get a choice with what matters most to us. And we don't know what Martha chooses. Now, let's bring this back to our concept for this month loving our neighbors. What does you, sisters, entertaining Jesus have to do with you making time to go and love your neighbor? Because Honestly, it feels like what we're getting from this moment is a perfect excuse to not love our neighbor, not do more. I love coming to church today. We read this great moment where Jesus said, it's better to sit. I don't have to talk to none of my neighbors. This is a good Sunday. I'm glad I came to part two of this series. Come on, it looks like we walk away from this moment and what we have is don't do more for Jesus. Don't do this act of worship, which is what loving your neighbor would be. Don't don't do more. He doesn't want you to do more. Just just sit, relax, take it easy. It can look like that's the call. And it would be if we look at the surface. But notice what we saw in this moment is one who chose doing for and another who chose being with. But this is not their only moment in Scripture. Scripture. We see another snapshot where it's Mary who is anointing Jesus, washing his feet, worshiping him, or we might say doing for him. An action. But I thought he said, don't do that. And here's the big concept we need to understand if we are to love our neighbors. It's this. Doing for Jesus needs to flow from being with Jesus. Doing for Jesus needs to flow out of a place where we are with him. I want you to write that down. We'll leave it up for a few moments. Let me explain why our doing needs to flow from our being by telling you what happens if we get it in reverse. If you just start with your doing for Jesus, you're only going to take one of two paths. And the first path we'll call the religious path. A religious path says, do for Jesus so that you might gain his approval and accept you. And I know many of you in this place who have shared your story, that has been your story before as it relates to church and God and faith. You felt such pressure and a weight to do and perform that you had to get all your stickers for your perfect attendance chart. You had to make sure that you always gave and you always served. It was always doing, 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 but there was never a priority on just being with him. And what happens is we become proud of our accomplishments, and we think somehow we will boast in ourselves and impress Jesus and say, look at everything I did for you. And Jesus speaks of that in a parable, and he tells those people, depart from me. Why? I never knew you, or you are never just with me. You are all about doing good things, acts of worship, the commands of Jesus. But if you reverse the order, you get religion. Or you get resentment because resentful hearts will say, how dare God expect this of me? Why would he ask me to to love my neighbor, to forgive that person who hurt me, to trust him in tithing, to to serve on the dream team, to, to worship him? How dare he ask that of me? Doesn't he know I've only got 24 hours and we get resentful and bitter in our hearts towards God because we're focused on the doing and not being with him first. Mary is able to worship the Lord through acts of worship because she understood the priority of being with Jesus. So I'm going to give you a statement, and we've got to really just process it. It's hard to be honest for this one. Maybe the reason why we aren't making time for our neighbors is because we aren't making time for Jesus. And why, and this is for me, maybe the reason why I won't make time for my neighbor is because I'm not making time for Jesus in my life. Because if I make time for Jesus and I'm close to the heart of my Lord and Savior who has eyes of compassion for those who live closest to me, how can I not to adopt those eyes of compassion when I see a neighbor? The reason why you and I don't have enough time for others is because we're not starting with time for our Savior to just be with him. I love something I read by Pete Scazzaro. He says, work for God that is not nourished by a deep interior life with God will eventually deteriorate. When we choose to just work for God, to just act for God, to just do for God, but it's not being nourished by that time with the Lord, it will eventually deteriorate us. We'll be crushed under the pressure of I've got to wake up. I've got to do my devotional time. And then I got to get to church. And I got to make sure that I'm there. And I got to sing. And I got to give. And I got to serve. And I got to love my neighbor. And we'll be crushed by it if we are not flowing from a place of being with him. So, how is your being with Jesus? How is your time management when it comes to being at the feet of the one who loves you, who made you? Who is always available? Do you guys understand that is the beauty of this side of the cross of Jesus Christ? That the veil has been torn so that his presence is available to us 24-7, so that you and I don't need another priest to bring us into the presence of God, but we have Jesus, who is our mediator, who says you can connect with the Father anywhere, anytime, any place. He's always available. And yet guys I can look at that opportunity and I can say I've got other priorities in my life. Got other things I have to do. Lawn's not going to mow itself. Kids need their lunches and I got to go to work and I want to hang out with friends and I got to sleep and go to the gym and all these things guys all of those things don't need to be replaced by time with Jesus the thing with God is you can be with him while you do those things. Yeah. See, I don't want you to walk away from this moment to say, oh, great, now I got another thing to do. Now I got to be with Jesus. You totally messed it up today. Please don't do that. This isn't another thing to do. This is a daily communing with the Lord. Throughout your coming and your going, wherever you are, that God is available to us. But it's not normal. And like Mary, I'm inviting you today to push against what is normal to reject normal and embrace kingdom, to say, I don't, I don't want to just be normal. I don't want to be living a hurried life. I don't want to just be always on the go, always feeling stressed and upset about many things, distracted by even serving and loving others. I want to embrace that constant being. Look at this quote by John Ortberg. Love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible. Love always takes time And time is the one thing hurried people don't have. If you are to love your neighbor as yourself, it is going to require you making time. Not, I don't have enough time. No, no, you have the time, but it's going to require you to make that time matter. But it's never going to happen if we're always hurried. So we sit at his feet. We be with him. I want to conclude by being very practical because I just don't like theoretical sermons. They preach good. You get some amens out there, but it's like, uh, what do I do now? That was, that was good, but like, what do I do next? And I love Blaze Church because we're always looking, how do we live this out? What's the application for our lives? So there's two words that are used in culture a whole lot today, mindfulness and meditation. Anyone here ever heard any of those words before? Go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, Mindfulness and meditation, even in school, There's mindfulness, there's just kind of being present in the moment, focusing your mind, breathing exercises, being fully aware, meditation, just kind of focusing on something. Okay, look how cool this is. The world ripped those words off of Jesus. (laughs) Mindfulness and meditation has existed long before our culture has grabbed onto them. All of a sudden, culture is playing catch up with blessings that God has given his people for hundreds and thousands of years. Let me show you, Isaiah chapter 26, verse three, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. That's mindfulness. God's saying, I've got peace for your anxious hearts. You're worried and upset and distressed and constantly doing mindfulness. Keep your mind steadfast on the Lord. Psalms one, two, but they delight in the law of the Lord. How do they do that? They meditate on it day and night, that continual going back to the word of God, just meditating on the beauty of Jesus. So let's connect all the dots before we respond in worship. You and I are called to love our neighbors as ourselves, and the biggest barrier that prevents us is the time barrier, the same amount of time, and we make time for the things that matter to us. And what matters to God is loving our neighbors but we will never truly love our neighbors without resentful or religious hearts if we do not first be with Jesus. So here's how we're going to be with Jesus today. You've already got the tools and they're most likely in your pocket right now. You're going to use two apps. You've heard of these before. The first app is called Calendar. (laughs) This is a deep message, everybody. I'm going to invite you this week to put Jesus on your calendar. Probably never thought of doing that. But let me ask you, do the things that matter most to you make it on your calendar? Because they do in my life. I've got date night. There it is in the calendar, blocked out. Time with friends, work, different events. Come on, we have a resource right here where what we do when we put that on is we, this is what we say. I'm taking a part of my 24 hours because it matters so much I'm going to do this at this moment. So what if just to help us get started to be with Jesus, we just start putting Jesus on our day. Just put his name there. It's Jesus. I just want to be with him. And then here's the second thing you'll probably need because I need it too. It's another app, Reminder or Alarm Clock. Every day, and this is in my life, every day, Not on Sunday, so you're not going to hear it in the 11 o'clock because that would be distracting. But at 11.45, my alarm goes off and it simply says this, be with Jesus. Because I've recognized around noon is when I tend to disconnect from the Lord because I'm so entrenched in what I'm doing at that moment, a project. And it's just a reminder, as you do, don't forget to Be. As you continue to do, as you continue to work, don't neglect being in his presence because guys, when we are connected to the same power that raised Christ from the dead, it changes how we do throughout our day. And his presence is there. Are we aware? Are we actually making the space and prioritizing time with the one who has said, I want to be with you? Promise of scripture, you will seek me and you will find me. You know, a game that God never plays is hide and seek. Who's thankful for that? He never plays, oh, I'm just hiding. You just got to do a little bit more. Why don't you drop a few more dollars in the bucket? Why don't you show up a few more times? Send up a few more prayers and you'll find me. No, seek me and you will find me. And here's the beauty, guys. Every one of these doings that I'm sharing this morning, loving our neighbors, giving, serving on the dream team, prioritizing weekend services and being involved in a group, all of that becomes a joy and a blessing, not a burden when it flows from being with him. If you if you agree with that, give me an amen right there. It's not something we have to do. It's something we get And so if you're struggling with one of these commands that Jesus has given, one of these acts of obedience, just ask, could it be I'm struggling because I'm just not close enough to the Lord? And instead of focusing on the doing, focus on the being. We're going to respond this morning with a song called Nothing Else. And I ask the team to sing this song because I want this to be our heart's cry this morning that out of everything in this world that is saying, do, do, put your attention here, put the calendar here, prioritize this, truly nothing else matters except being with Jesus. And when we're with him, we are so effective at our doing because we're refreshed. And it's a joy. And like Mary, we sit at his feet. So would you stand with me as the worship team comes and we get ready to sing? And I want to share this with you. The moment of Martha and Mary is not just an example of a human doing and a human being, but it does show us the gospel. Because the gospel is this. Jesus has come. And he hasn't come and said, now that I'm here, do for me, perform for me, work for me, and I'll save you. Emmanuel, God with us, so that we might come close to the one who loves us. And Mary understood that. I wonder today if you understand that. And maybe you're not experiencing the nearness and the closeness of God. Maybe you're not saved, born again. But you've been trying really, really hard to make that work in your life. And today, I'm inviting you to stop trying and start trusting the gospel. God sent his son to this world to die for us, to remove our sin, to make us new. And by putting our faith in him, we are born again. We reject normal and start to live out a new kingdom lifestyle. Have you confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you come to him who says, come to me all who are weary, burdened, heavy laden. I will give you rest because I believe this morning there is rest to be found in the nearness of Jesus. And so I want to pray and I want to invite you to put your faith in him today. And as I pray, would you make these words your own? To just whisper out to the Lord and say, Jesus, forgive me. I want to know you. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we are thankful that you love us and that you've called us and that you care about our rest and our being with you. Lord, I pray this morning for each person who does not know you as their Savior, who has never declared Jesus be the Lord of my life. In this moment, there are confessions happening, and if that's where you are, just speak out to the Lord. He hears our prayers. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I'm trusting you today. I'm coming to you. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. Lord, I pray for this church and every person here and online that from this moment we feel refreshed. Lord, not lazy. This isn't a call to not love our neighbors, to not give or worship or serve or do. It's a call to reorder our lives and to let that doing flow from our being may we be intentional this week to be with you, not one time in the morning or one time at night, but all throughout our day to be aware of your presence, to have those reminders when the day gets busiest, to simply be with you. Jesus, nothing else matters but you. We give you praise this morning in your name. Amen. 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 Church, let's sing this song. May it be our worship. May it be our response. If you made a decision to know Jesus today or want to know what's next for you, our welcome team is going to walk around and they'll have some booklets. Just go ahead and wave your hand at them and they'll come over and give you a book. It says, what's my next step now that Jesus is my Savior? Guys, let's just sing about the presence of God now that nothing else can satisfy us but Jesus.